put in the pew rack in front of you. Um, and I will go ahead and begin reading that. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in, once, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, so over the course of the last few weeks, uh, I've been you know, discussing these, these matters with Jared and with Brad. You know, every time that uh, my, my name's called to come up here and fill the pulpit, uh, one of the most difficult decisions that you can make as a pastor or as an intern in Jared's instance is deciding on what to teach, what to preach. Uh, you know, it's, there's a lot. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to pick from in here. Uh, so, you know, I was, I was having lunch with Jared and Brad probably like a month ago now, honestly. It's been a while. And Jared had mentioned to me uh, just before in a text that uh, he, he just asked me, what's, what's on my heart? What's, on, what is, what's God showing you right now in your life? Uh, and then later on, we were having lunch probably at like Chick-fil-A or Culver's, something, you know, delicious. Uh, and, uh, and Brad said similarly, the, the biggest mistake you can make as a pastor is, is preaching on something that's not on your heart. So this is something that's been on my mind uh, for about 30 years. Um, no, not really. Uh, the, the grace that God bestows on us, it, it just, I, I, it's hard to understand. Because we know it as a free gift from God that we don't deserve. Um, and and this is, there's this theme without, within the entire Bible, and it teaches that God is loving, God is forgiving. <clears throat> so, today we're going to be looking at the first ten verses in Ephesians 2. Uh, several of these verses you're going to recognize. I'd, I'd be willing to bet that you, if you grew up within the church, going to Awana or a vacation Bible school or even just in Sunday school, uh, I'd be willing to bet you've heard some of these before. In fact, one of them you may recognize from BBS last year. Um, all right, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this opportunity to teach this morning. Um, Lord, I pray that you would use me in an awesome way today to uh, speak to the hearts of these people. Uh, Lord, I, again, I thank you. Um, it's such a blessing to be able to do this. So I pray that it would be you speaking through me, not me speaking, Lord. So I pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, so... Uh, this passage of Ephesians paints an awesome picture of who we are before Christ, what God does to rescue us, and then how we need to respond to that. The first point today is, without Christ, we are alive. Nope, we are dead. Actually, we're dead. Sorry. <laughs> without Christ, we are dead. Uh, this is one of those verses that we can, we can trace throughout the entire Bible. Uh, in the beginning, we see that God tells Adam and Eve, if they 
eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would immediately die. Uh, now, Satan kind of manipulates that whole circumstance and that situation to uh, make them think that they're going to be like God. Uh, and then we see the punishment. God tells them that you are going to die. And it happens immediately, right? Uh, spiritually, they're dead because now they're separated from God. Uh, just so you all know, you, you cannot be in a right relationship with God if you do not have a personal relationship with Christ. If you haven't accepted Christ as your Savior, you can't walk with God. Now, these are important things that we need to realize. Now, Romans 5 tells us that sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Uh, now, I've, I've been to several, probably dozen funerals in my lifetime. Um, something that I've gathered from uh, going to these funerals is that when... There's nothing that a dead person can do to change the circumstance that they're in. They're dead. They, can't, they have zero power to bring themselves back. They have zero power to do anything because they're no longer there. Um, similarly, us as Christians, actually not even yet being Christians, we are spiritually dead, and there's nothing that we can do. There's nothing that we bring to the table to create a relationship with God. It's God who pursues us. It's God who has to start the interaction with us. <clears throat> uh, it's only him who holds that power. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's going to be verse 1. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Uh, something interesting that I've come across while studying uh, for this was the difference between a trespass and a sin. Uh, I think I had this conversation with Jared up at uh, Cornerstone on Thursday. It's funny, he has a friend named, named Ram. Who, uh, we, were, we were chatting about this, and he immediately just says, I don't even remember, it was the Hebrew word for trespass, and I was like, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the Greek version of these words. Trespasses and sins are two different things. Uh, you know, sometimes we don't think very hard about this, but uh, we are sinful by nature, but we choose to trespass, right? When you see a sign that says no trespassing, it's a conscious decision to walk through and do that. Um, an example of this would be if when I was a child, uh, hopefully this never happened, but you know, who knows, my mom's right here, so. Um, uh, <laughs> when I was a child, uh, maybe, maybe your children have done this, you, you know, they scribble on the wall. That's sinning. That's a sin, right? Because it's something that the parents don't want you to do, but as a two-year-old, you don't know better because you're a child. Uh, whereas then, let's say, hypothetically speaking, uh, I grow up, and I um, decide to scribble on a wall at Western Michigan University. Well, now, that's a trespass, because I know better, uh, and the result of that trespass is being, you know, I guess, hypothetically speaking, banned from Western for a year with a big old fine on top of it. Uh, these are things, these are the differences between a trespass and a sin. Uh, sins you do intentionally. You have the opportunity to turn away, and you do it anyway. I think that Paul makes a really important point by putting both of those in there. Um, Colossians 2.13 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses. And then John 5.24 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He who does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So this theme is throughout the entire Bible. 
you are dead spiritually, and through Christ, you are made alive. Uh, Honestly, I think it's pretty beautiful. So we are dead in our trespasses and sins, but also uh, we were followers of the ways of this world. That would be verse 2, in which you once walked following the course of this world. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever looked at what the world's up to these days. Don't, don't be of that. Don't be down for that. It's not good. Um, you know, Jeff was just praying for several things that have been going on in our community that are just tragic. Things of the world. Um, this passage paints, paints a picture in my mind of who we are called to be as Christians. We're called to be in the world, but we're not called to be of the world. There's that distinction, and it, you, it's, it's kind of a fine line that you have to tread, you know. How are we supposed to spread the gospel if we're not in the world interacting with people? I mean, you look at Jesus, and what was he caught doing several times? He's hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes. Uh, obviously, we're not Jesus. He, you know, he doesn't sin. Uh, but we should bear in mind that we need to be in the world sharing the gospel of Christ with these people. But we also have to walk that fine line of not being of the world. So everything going on in the world, I, I know that you all look at it with disgust a lot of times. Um, but I, I, I want to mention that before you found Christ, actually before Christ found you, you were walking in the ways of the world as well. Um, there are several verses scripturally that, that back this up. Ephesians 4.17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their mind. Uh, so, so Paul has this interesting theme throughout all of his epistles where he's, he's writing to the Jewish Christians and he's writing to the Gentile Christians. Um, you're going to see a lot of we's and they's throughout these epistles. The we's, he's talking to the Jewish Christians. The they's, he's talking to the Gentiles. So when he says, walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds, he's talking about those outside of Christianity and outside of Judaism. Uh, because they haven't had these truths brought to them by God, they're going to be struggling with these issues. Guess what? We've been in the same boat. Every single day that you've lived before finding Christ, you were in the same boat. Now, God has chosen to rescue us from walking in the way of the world, as the Gentiles do. Uh, we need to be sure that we are striving in our relationship with God so that we aren't walking in this manner. Again, be a part of the world, but don't be of the world. Galatians 4.3 says, In the same way, We also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. Uh, The third point is we were followers of the evil one. So, uh, again, this has to do with what's going on out in the world. They are followers of the evil one. If you choose to do something against what God wants, you're choosing to follow Satan, the evil one. Uh, Sorry to put it that way, but that's, that's the truth of it. Now, let us not mistake this. Paul is referring to Satan. So when he says the prince of the power of the air, if you ever want to do an interesting study, look at words for the evil one throughout the entire Bible because there's quite a few. I mean, Satan itself means the adversary. Um, you, I mean, you see the morning star, I think in, it might be Isaiah or Ezekiel, one or the other. I looked at Jared because he knows these things. <laughs> uh, so Paul is saying that when we are not with Christ... We are following Satan in the things that he wants for us. Satan is the great tempter. He's going to make you stumble. He's going to make you fall. 
There are even going to be times as a Christian where this is going to happen. Uh, the difference is you have grace through faith in Christ. Um, when we give in to any sort of temptation, we're giving in to choosing Satan over choosing God. Colossians 1.3 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. Without Christ, we're destined for eternal damnation. Uh, the Bible makes it incredibly clear that the outcome is, or what the outcome is for those who aren't one with Christ. We should consider it a blessing to have been chosen by God, to be one of his children, to have been rescued from the pits of hell. It's just something that we need to give thanks for God. As Brad says frequently, maybe we should be singing a little louder on Sunday mornings. Maybe we should be worshiping a little louder on Sunday mornings. Uh, the next point, we were sons of disobedience. It's verses 2 through 3. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Colossians 3, 5 through 7 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, two, you too once walked when you were living. Uh, this passage in Colossians has always been interesting me, to me because I, I see the, the uh, distinction, the differences between the fruits of the Spirit and this list of things. Uh, you know, the fruits of the Spirit, obviously, those are things that we, we should have in our lives based on the fact that we have this, the Spirit of God living within us. Uh, here in Colossians, we see the exact opposite. This is what you are like without the Spirit. Uh, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Those are all things that we've struggled with in our lives, each and every one of us. Um, but once we have the Spirit, once we have salvation through faith in Christ, we're rescued from those things. It's a beautiful thing. Sorry, I've got to turn my page. Psalms 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in sin, or sorry, in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So this is David thousands of years before having this idea, having this, and this is clearly, clearly from God, that he was born sinful. Uh, we went up to Camp Barakel. Some of the students that are here might remember this. We went up to Camp Barakel about two, two or three weeks ago, and uh, the, the speaker, was, his name's Cleet Bontrager. Uh, if you've never, he was awesome. If you've never seen his stuff, just find him online and listen to him. His, he's from, originally from Elkhart, Indiana. His dad was uh, raised Amish, and he left the Amish community, and, and then found Christ, and now Cleet has, it's, it's an awesome testimony, but uh, he taught on this exact same text. Uh, he, you know, with, with a bunch of teenagers, you want to set the groundworks of faith, which is you need to understand a biblical worldview. You need to understand God created all of this. Uh, man rebelled against God, and pretty much the rest of the text is a story of redemption, right? I remember Steve Serene used to teach Creation, fall, redemption. That was kind of his bread and butter for when he, when he taught. <clears throat> so he taught us that uh, 
God create, created everything. He started with Genesis 1, and then he went to the fall, and then he jumped to Ephesians 2 and started talking about what we are in Christ and how we can, uh, how we can become one with Christ. One thing he mentioned had to do with the fact that we are born sinners. Uh, he actually used a term that some of the youth thought was pretty awesome uh, called vipers and diapers. I think that's one of the most fun phrases. I think that's a, a Vadi Bacham thing, but uh, vipers and diapers. Brad has another phrase for it. I don't know if you remember every time that he does a baby dedication, he talks about, uh, uh, you know, they're so cute, but they're, they're just the cutest little sinners you'll ever see. Because that's true from what the Bible teaches. I mean, I just read it. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a misinterpretation of that that means that his mom gave birth to him out of sin. No, no, no. This means that David was in sin from the time of his conception because we are sinful by nature. We've inherited that sin nature through Adam, through all of humanity, and that's where we're at today. Um, we need to remember this. There has never been a point in our lives when we've been righteous. Uh, there have never been, or we have never been clean enough to live in a right relationship with God. But then God stepped in, and that brings us to our next point. Uh, I just want to say this, too. If you ever want to do an awesome study, like a word study of the Bible, look up every time in the Bible where it says, but God. Because it's something terrible is going to happen, but God then will step in and something awesome will happen. It happens with, with uh, Noah. It happens with Moses. It happens, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, and it, it's just really cool to see God's redemptive plan for mankind. Uh, second point, in Christ we are made alive. That would be verse 4 through 9. In Christ we're made alive. We're made alive in three different ways according to this passage. First, we're made alive by his love and by his mercy. It'll probably be flipped on your notes because I read it backwards. Uh, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Titus 3, 5 says, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. I think you guys may know this next verse. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. These, these verses, guys, I could, I'm only going to list four, but it's literally... From cover to cover, it is throughout the entire thing, God's mercy and God's love. Let's think of the situation where the uh, Israelites are wandering the desert. How many times do we see them complain and actually ask to be sent back to Egypt where they were literal slaves, and then we see them be recipients of God's mercy and God's love? Uh, how many times do we read in the book of Judges, uh, they did what was right in their own eyes? First, second Kings, first, second Chronicles, kings that do things that are, in, that are right in their own eyes, not in the eyes of God. That's the, that's the difference that we need to see here. Ephesians 1.20 says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So I've given three passages, just three. Actually, it might have been four. I can't count. Three, three passages that, uh, that tell us about God's mercy and God's love. But as I mentioned, there, there's a countless amount of examples in Scripture of God's mercy and God's love and God's grace. 
The next way that God made us alive is by raising us up with Christ. Uh, That would be verse 6 through 7. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So there are a lot of examples within Scripture where we're told that we're going to be ruling together with Christ for eternity to come. Um, I, I hope you all realize that. One day you're going to be reigning with God. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Corinthians 6.1, I don't think that it's going to be on your screen, but it says, Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? Not only are we going to rule with Christ, we're going to judge with Christ. Um, judging angels, that's, that's an interesting thing to think about. Because we see them as perfect creatures, except for those that have fallen. Timothy 2, or 2 Timothy 2.12, we're told if we endure, we will reign with him. So, so far, we have seen that God makes us alive by his love and his mercy, by raising us up with Christ. There's one more way in which we're made alive, and that is by his grace through our faith. Now, this is one of those Awana verses that everybody knows. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. Uh, I think this is one of the most beautiful texts in the entire Bible because it shows us. It shows us just how little there is we bring to the table with our salvation, right? God, God has to initiate this relationship that we have with him. Uh, there are times where I actually have difficulty grasping it because, you know, I... We, you know, we've, we've all lived lives. We've all lived lives without Christ. Um, I'm, there are times where I'm just outright ashamed of who I was before the conviction of God came upon me. You know, I've mistreated people. I've used people. I've manipulated, you know, all these things. So there are times where I look at this and I'm like, man, God's pretty awesome to have forgiven me of this stuff. Because I, I don't deserve it, right? That's, that's the thing. This is the free gift of God. None of us deserve it. Because what, what, what did we do? I mean, initially, we were, you know, the God of the universe creates everything and gives us one rule, and we break that rule. If we are his creation, we are his possession. It's in his power at that point to say, no, I'm done. You're gone. That's all he has to do. But instead, he shows grace and he shows mercy, and he allows us to find redemption through Christ. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing uh, that, that there are times where I think about it, and if I think too hard, I'm like, this, this just doesn't make sense, which is awesome. I love that. Because there, there are some things that are for God. We're never going to understand it. But he's a gracious God. That's the beauty. Uh, this concept comes up throughout Scripture. We see it again in 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. And again in 2 Timothy 1.9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. His own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. 
As I mentioned, this passage is pretty easily broken down into three different sections. Uh, The first one is our lives without Christ. We're sinners. We walk in the ways of the world. We follow Satan's rule. Um, But then thirdly, we see how we need to respond to this. Oh, no, I skipped something. Sorry. Then how we're rescued from our sin. And then thirdly, we see how we need to respond to this. Because if if Christ did something so big for us, should we just accept it and just keep going through life? No. That's right, class. The answer is no. Uh, (laughs) The third point today is that through Christ we are given a purpose. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship. Here's where I can actually... I can actually hear the, the VBS kids standing, doing the hand signs, already singing the song. Um, if any of the teens want to come up here and do the hand signs and all that, feel free. I'm, I'm right here. I'm not going to sing it, though. Uh, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Uh, this was the theme verse for Vacation Bible School this past summer. Uh, any of you who helped with that, sorry, that song's going to be stuck in your head for another six months, I'm sure. Um, actually, that's not a bad thing. It's a good way to, it's a good, good tool for memorization, but uh, it's, it's a fantastic passage about how God created us in Christ Jesus for good works, right? So Colossians 1.10 says, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So these are things that God wants from us. He wants us to walk in a manner worthy of him. Because if we walk in a manner worthy of him, it's pleasing to him. We need to be bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Uh, there's an interesting, an interesting video by a... Uh, he's, he's an atheist, comedian, or magician, or both, probably. Uh, it's either Penn or Teller. It's one or the other. I can't ever keep him straight. The taller one, I guess. So he, he's an atheist. He, does, he doesn't believe in God. And he went to a show, and he did his magical performance, or whatever you call it. And somebody came up afterwards and gave him a Bible and told him about God. And he said, I, you know, I'm familiar with God. I don't want anything to do with him. And then he, but he took the Bible anyway. And then he made a video. I remember Steve Serene sharing this with us uh, at one point when I was in probably 12th grade or so. And it's, it's, it's such, a, such an important message that I think we all need to understand this. Um, he got on this video and he said, you know, if, if Jared is standing on a train track, and let's say he's got his headphones in or something, I don't know, something, he can't hear, and a train's barreling down the track and it's about to hit him, what kind of people are we if we don't warn him that the train's coming? Uh, in the same way, if we hold to this as, as, as the Bible as truth, if we hold to Christ died for our sins so that we don't have to you know, suffer eternal damnation, then it's the same idea. Why would we not rush to bring the gospel of Christ to every single person we ever run across? Because the alternative for them is eternal damnation. Uh, I think that these are really important things. And the fascinating thing about it was he's, he's in tears, an atheist is in tears making this video talking about how, you know, if, if these Christians really think this, then why aren't they running down the streets trying to share the word of God with people? 
Um, we need to bear good fruit, and we need to increase in the knowledge of God. I know the last time that I preached, I talked about growing in the Word. I think that that's a really important thing for us to do. You know, uh, what was Jesus' response when Satan was tempting him in the desert? Uh, he was quoting Scripture. That's an important thing for us to realize. Jesus was quoting Scripture. I think an even more important thing for us to realize is so was Satan. But it was out of context, right? So, so even the evil one knows the Bible probably better than we do. So we need to make this a priority in our lives. Uh, our root in this, or our root, I can't read. Our work is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit of our salvation, right? So if Christ has done this for us, we should be running out into the streets trying to do good works because this is what we're taught in the Bible. These are the truths that God has set forth for us to listen to. Uh, while we are created for good works that come from God, those works, they don't bring salvation. Uh, we read in Ephesians 2.8 that we are saved by grace, through faith, not by works. Anything outside of our faith in God is considered a work. Um, baptism doesn't save. The seven sacraments don't save. Going to confession doesn't save. Making sacrifice didn't save and still doesn't save. The only thing that brings salvation is our faith in Christ, period. Um, I always look, when I'm, when I'm speaking with the students, I always look to the, uh, I call it the theology of the thief on the cross, the doctrine of the thief on the cross, whatever you want to call it, where you know, we see Jesus raised up on the cross and he's having a conversation with these two thieves on either side of him. And one of them pretty much negates him altogether. And the other one says, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, you will be with me in paradise today. And then he died. What does that tell us that you need? Faith, period. That's it. He didn't have time to go run to a river and get baptized. He didn't have time to go to confession. He didn't have time to make a sacrifice. He had time to put his faith in God, and then he died. And Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise today. Uh, the whole New Testament is talking about this. You, I mean, Paul's epistles are filled with this stuff. Um, it's, it's incredible. James 2, 14 through 16. Some of you may be familiar with this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Uh, so there's, there's this argument I was reading in our R.C. Sproul uh, book. I don't remember what it was called. It may have just been an article called, called uh, Paul versus James. Uh, actually, there was a point where, where Jared and I were going to do kind of a Paul versus James thing. But I think that it's important to note that it's not Paul versus James. That puts him at odds. It's Paul and James, right? Uh, we believe the Bible is inerrant. We believe it's the word of God. Um, these things don't contradict each other. They, they hold each other up, if anything. Uh, you cannot have faith in Christ and not do good works. You cannot have faith in Christ, in the love of Christ, and not go out and, I, I guess I'll just say cliche, help the old lady across the street, whatever you want to call it. Uh, because, as it says in James, that faith is dead, Right? Again, how can you hear this stuff and not want to run into the streets and tell everybody and, and help everybody like Jesus helped people? 
Titus 3.8 says the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Good works are excellent and profitable for people. It's what we're created for, right? That's kind of the summation of this entire thing. Um, without Christ, we're walking in sin. Children of wrath, it says. Uh, Christ's sacrifice brings us in unity with God. Why? So that we can then go out and do these good works that God has prepared for us forever ago. I guess I'll just call it that. In eternity past. Uh, our work is to be obedient to God. John 14, 15 says, simply, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. I can't tell you how many times I've seen, you know, watched a, a, a social media influencer uh, who, who says something along the lines of, oh, I love Jesus, and then you watch their videos and you're like, uh, are you sure? Jesus wouldn't like that. Uh, because it's more than just, oh, I love Jesus, right? It's, it's, I love Jesus, and because I love Jesus, I am now going to do everything that he told me to do. I am going to live my life in a different way from the world. I'm not going to follow the prince of the powers of the air. I'm going to follow Christ, period. That's where we need to be in our lives. Now, Jesus said um, that if we truly, truly loved him, we would be obedient. Romans 1.5 says, Through whom we have received grace, an apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. Uh, when I was reading this, it brought, me to, uh, it brought me in my mind to a scripture. You might know it as one of the Ten Commandments. Uh, Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Well, the original Hebrew, Jared can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it actually means bear, to bear God's name in vain. In other words, to carry God's name with you. Um, if you're a Christian, you do that. You carry God's name with you. But if you're living in a way that is against what God has commanded, you're now bearing his name in vain. You're bearing his name. You're giving him, you're making his image look bad. Like, oh, that Christian, did you see what he just did over there? That's not good. That's not what we want to be about. So we are carrying the name of God with us. Uh, in the same way, when we do good works, we are representing God good way to all the nations, right? This is the point. This is why God separated Israel. This is why God chose Israel to go out into the world and to, to be holy, to be set apart so that they could then share with the nations the truths of God. Um, spoiler, they didn't do so hot at that. Second uh, Corinthians 10.5 says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to Christ. I would think that this is probably a pretty big challenge for all of us. Uh, we need to take every thought captive to Christ. And we really need to think about what that means. Uh, I believe it was in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus opens people's eyes to the idea of heart murder. I think you probably have heard Brad talk about this, or you know anybody else that teaches the Bible. Uh, or heart adultery. It's the idea where uh, you may not have gone out and killed somebody, but the hatred in your heart, you may as well have, Right? In, in God's eyes, you did. Uh, and again, this is coming from Jesus Christ. This is coming from the Son of God. So it is to be held at the highest authority. 
Um, holding your thoughts captive means that you need to be aware of what you're thinking. It all needs to be pointed to God. Uh, they need to be Christ-like thoughts, not just your behaviors. I know everyone around you can see your behaviors. They don't know what I'm thinking, though. God knows what you're thinking, right? So, so be careful. You need to hold your thoughts captive every single day. Why? Because it is our work to be obedient to Christ. Because again, that comes from Christ. The next point is that it is our work to share the gospel. I know I mentioned this earlier with the the, um, train thing. Um, I'm going to reemphasize this probably every single time I step up here because I think that it's that important. We are called to share the gospel. It is the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. It says, therefore, go, sorry, go therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm really hoping that none of you are numb to Brad and I saying this, because we're not going to stop saying this, because this is the point of why we're here. Uh, One of our biggest works on this planet is to share the gospel of Christ because there are people in need of it. There are people in need of the love and the forgiveness that Christ offers. Um, Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So I've noticed something in in the course of my, uh, I guess my education at Moody with some of my interpreting scriptures and reading New and Old Testament classes. Uh, When you see things repeated, in the Bible, it means it's important. I know. I know. That's a good lesson, isn't it? When you see something repeated in Scripture, it means it's important. God's trying to show you something. So pay attention. Uh, this is another example of the Great Commission, essentially, in the Gospel of Mark. Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when, you, or when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, and Samaria into the end of the earth. Again, we see the importance of sharing the gospel in the book of Acts. By the way, the book of Acts is all about that. We see Paul's journey. He goes everywhere. Um, And this all culminates in my final point today. Our work is to bring glory to God. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is heaven. Uh, so we did a, when, when I first started as the interim youth guy, uh, Brad was doing the teaching, which was probably a great idea, um, considering I had never taught a thing in my life. And uh, he took the students through Genesis. Some of the students who are in here may remember that. It was, well, actually, he's doing it right now with you guys. Uh, and, and one of the things that, one of the questions he asked was, why did God create? everything. And as we read the scripture, as we go through the text, there's one reason that God created everything. It's to bring him glory. That's what this is all about. That's why you're here today, is to bring glory to God. In every single thing that you do, you are to bring glory to God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything. You sit down and eat a PB&J, bring glory to God. I eat this sandwich to the glory of God. 
You sit down and drink a cup of coffee. I drink this coffee to the glory of God. Because if God doesn't get the glory, then what's the point? He created everything. This is his creation. This is his world. So why wouldn't we want to give him credit for it? You wouldn't be able to enjoy a cup of coffee if God didn't create the cup of coffee for you to enjoy. So give glory to him. Right? It makes sense. All right. In conclusion, without Christ, we are dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were followers of the ways of this world. We were followers of the evil one, and we were sons of disobedience. But in Christ, we're made alive by his mercy and love, by raising us up with Christ and by grace through faith. Through Christ, we are given a purpose. Our work is to demonstrate the fruit of our salvation, to be obedient to God, to share the gospel, and to bring glory to God. Our gracious Heavenly Father, thank you again for this opportunity, Lord. I pray, that, uh, I pray that everybody here is blessed in some way or another by your word. I pray that we would remember these things as we go out into our lives, Lord, that we are called to, to walk in a different way than the people in the world. We're not to follow the prince of the powers of the air. We're, we're to follow Christ, Lord. So I pray that you would have this on our hearts, have this on our minds as we go our separate ways, Lord. I pray that that we would dig deeper into your word and understand that these things, if anything matters, this is it. This is the only thing that matters, Lord, so help us to do that. And I pray, most of all, that we all remember in every single thing we do, Lord, to bring glory to you. So again, thank you for this opportunity. I pray for all of these people as we go our separate ways. Keep us safe until we come back together again next week. I say things in your son's name. Amen. All right, you're dismissed.